Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. podcast. I need to make my podcast. And it's an interesting thing because the topic that I want to talk today about isn't incredibly clear, but yet I really feel like I need to be recording right now. So I'm just deciding to run with it. And I haven't even had my first cup of coffee yet. It is sitting right in front of me, which is going to be a little bit weird and odd and tempting because I've got this new headset on where the microphone is right in front of my mouth. I don't know how I'm going to make this work, but I'm going to get to you, coffee baby. I'm going to get to you. I will consume you, I promise. Like I said, I haven't had my coffee yet, so I'm a little bit, probably a little bit weird today. So let's do it. Today, um, what's coming up for me is I just feel like a lot of people right now are seeking approval and seeking permission to change and to let go and to be their own kind of freak, their own kind of weird, their own kind of rebel, their own kind of little sexy minx, their own kind of spiritual guide, like just be themselves. And this is something that I feel, I I wouldn't say I've mastered because it's kind of a weird word to use, mastery. I think there's always all these levels, but it is something that I think has been a theme in my life that I had to work through over and over and over and over. And I've gone so deep in, um, you know, as Mark Manson would say, not giving fucks. And I've gone so deep into doing the thing, even if the thing is different or if the thing bothers people, which has a light side and a dark side, right? Like maybe I've hurt people also because of me being me or being selfish or, being different and that is something that I've had to be unconditionally gracious to myself towards and also to them and that's not to say I mean I I can say this now but that's not to say in the process it was perfect by any means because I was still a very triggered human and a very reactive human so feeling like other people didn't support or believe in me made me not just look at them and say, okay, like they're going through their own experience of being triggered right now and um, I'm not going to take it personally. No, no, no. I took it very personally and I was probably triggered by their trigger, right? And this is how it typically goes until you learn 
how to calm your nervous system and your body and your heart when you are following your own path and others do not see it as the quote right path and you can still you wish them well like that is a deep layer and I'm going through a, a new layer of that right now so it's not that my journey has ended but I do know that this is an area that people come to me for they ask me about this and in my bio I've even changed on one of the one of the first sentences says I'm a walking permission slip because I I want others to begin to ex- experience this kind of freedom that I have and that I'm experiencing in my daily life of showing up as I am with my thoughts and with my beliefs and seeing other people maybe get a little irked by it or think differently and then me not backpedal and second guess what I said. Um, so we can go into some examples of my own life but also examples that I hear often. And I did receive a question, uh, a my musing. Remember, I told y'all, if you have questions, I'm still getting a whole bunch of questions on Instagram. People just send me like, oh, hey, tell me about this. And I'm just saying, hey, send it to my email, please. Put the subject line as my musing. If you have questions, if you want a question answered on this show, instead of sending it to me on Instagram or Facebook, um, please just go to my email. I have a contact page on my website that makes it super easy. Um, And you can just send that in. Let me know what your question is and I'll try to cover it within three to four minutes. Also as a side note, just because I forget to say this and I need to say this probably every like 10 episodes, but all of my episodes are on my website. iTunes can only hold, I think 50 or maybe a hundred at a time without malfunctions starting to happen so I have had to I, I have to make sure that I only have whatever x amount of episodes that are on iTunes so that the feed doesn't get stuck because I get major problems releasing new episodes when I have too many on the the mind body musings cloud so to say on iTunes so if you want to go back and listen to I mean I, I have hundreds of episodes so if you want to listen to something that um I mean, I've had Mark Manson on this podcast. We talk about the subtle art of not giving a fuck. I've had on Gretchen Rubin of The Happier Project. I've had on Zha Zhang of Rejection Therapy. Like, I've had on so many amazing people. And I've had so many solo podcast episodes. If you're curious about a topic, just go to Google and type in the topic and my name and see what comes up. Guaranteed something will come up. Or you can go into all the different pages and the archives and see what you see and what you know, maybe makes you a little bit curious. And then you can listen to those older episodes there. Okay, so here is the musing of the week. Aaron asked an amazing question. I was like, I could probably do a whole podcast on this, but I'm going to try to do my best for three to four minutes. We'll see how that goes. So Aaron asked, uh, hi, Maddie. I've been trying to be more in my body when walking around the park, enjoying the sun on my face, smiling, having a bit of a skip in my step. But I've moved to a bigger city and I'm not used to all the heckling and harassment from men. My friends are telling me I need to always have a stony face and a don't fuck with me attitude. That I'm basically inviting men to see me as a potential victim material. I'm I'm just not sure how to balance the need to protect myself with the desire to enjoy myself and feel pleasure in public. Amazing question. First thing I'm going to say is... Yes, 
like our we as women have to be careful okay and I'm not gonna be like feel your pleasure anyways and just don't care like we have to be careful absolutely if I'm in a dark alleyway or I'm not even in an alleyway but I'm walking in the streets of New York and I happen to find one street where people aren't all around and I'm by myself I'm not gonna go oh yes mm, feels so good to be walking in the alley no I'm not doing that it's not safe that's it that is definitely an invitation to be a victim in that way so I have discernment and decisiveness in the same way I have discernment and decisiveness with my heart right so who I give that to matters if I'm giving my heart Let's say I am going to go into the depths of opening my body sexually, opening my heart, my soul, let it, letting God through a man penetrate me. Like if I'm going to go into that spiritual, spiritual realm of surrendering and being so deeply intertwined with another person, you better believe I'm going to make sure this person is doing his work in this world. He can hold my emotions. He really sees me. Not always perfect, but those are qualities that I need in order to fully surrender. And if those qualities aren't there, you know, I may still be with this person. I might be intimate with this person, perhaps. But my heart is still a little tiny bit closed. It's not like closed in a way that is I'm turned off to the possibilities, but more like I still have this awesome wall of hearts lining the heart, right? So they're still like protecting me in a way and that's more instinctive because I don't see that this man can hold all of me which the best move in that case is to no longer be with that man because in a way that is re-traumatizing myself saying man cannot be trusted right so that's then the deeper layer of discernment is don't be with those people you can't fully open with sex and relationship and partnership is for healing but even if I'm with someone like that who I don't feel I can fully surrender into um, I am still very deeply connected with my pleasure for me. There's a difference between feeling pleasure and being um, protective over your, your safety, right? So I'm still feeling and owning my own ability to have pleasure. So my first question for you, Aaron, and for everyone that resonates with this, and I just did a post on this on Instagram. I had a conversation about this with, one of my clients, it's a hack, right? This is a, a hack to get to your answer quicker. Anytime you're feeling stuck, seriously, this is magic. If Anytime you're feeling stuck about something like this, like what, what should I do? Should I tell these people about this event going on in my life? What are they going to think? Or should I feel pleasure in my body or show pleasure in my body? Anything almost. Um, ask yourself the question, what would a queen do? What would a queen do? So if you were to be, if you were a queen, a motherfucking queen, and you were walking through the park, and you had people heckling and harassment, what do you think you'd do? How would you hold your body? Right? Like, how would you walk? Would you, if you were a queen who literally owns the queendom and storms the castle and could cut off anyone's head at any moment, do you think you would need to have a stony face and a don't fuck with me attitude to protect yourself? No. You've got an army to protect you. You don't need that. You don't need to have this stony don't fuck with me attitude. Because the thing about that, even though I understand 
Um, I understand that. But the thing about walking around life with a stony face and a don't fuck with me attitude is you are so, so, so deeply into your nervous system's method of protection and um, defending and being on the offense as well. And there's really no room for pleasure when you're so, so, so in that story of I am not safe. I'm not safe to feel good. I'm not safe to enjoy the sun on my face. If I enjoy the sun on my face, I will be X, Y, Z. You know, all the the lineage most likely that's coming up for you because um, women have been repressed and hurt and abused and abandoned in so many different ways for so many different years that it's not just about what you've experienced in your life. It's also about what your mom experienced, your grandma, your great grandma, great, 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 great grandma. And like all the women around them and their friends, like you feel a lot of that in your pain body. So what we're doing now as society is learning how to heal that pain body. The actual, I would say, um, how do I put this? I have to be very, very careful with how I say this. The actual reality of you walking through the park or full of people and you feeling good in your body and you smiling from the sun on your the smiling from the sun on your face and you actually being uh, physically harassed is not incredibly large the 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 percentage of that happening. If I were to go out to a park right now and enjoy the sun on my face, I might be hackled, I might be verbally harassed, but physical, actual danger is not as great as our nervous system wants to think. You know, the opportunity in a park full of sunlight, full of people, the chance that a man who's going to come up and grab my wrist and take me into his van when the park is massive and there's tons of people and I'm a badass, strong woman, it's very, quite small, right? The ratio, right? This still happens. I am not saying that. But I am saying that for the most part, most of us are safe. We do live in a society that is safer, especially in big cities. I don't know what city you're in. I live in New York City, which I get looks all the time. I had this experience of what you're describing just the other day. Um, I've been really listening to oldies music recently, and it's been, oh my gosh, like so good for my soul. So I'll be like walking down the street and singing, my baby love, my baby love. And I'm just like, oh, so full of love and light, and I feel so good. And living in these romantic songs, Earth Angel, Earth Angel. And I just like, I have so much pep in my step. And just the other day, I think it was one of those mornings I was listening to this music, I was saying literally out loud, quite loudly, Ah, from the sun on my face. And I didn't even think about it because I'm so used to now making sounds and moving my body whenever I'm feeling joy because it's it's for me. I need it. I need it to be in my feminine. I need to feel pleasure. I never knew how important it was to me until I started doing it. And now I, I own it and I claim it and it's mine. And it's amazing. And I get to decide how how big it is or how subtle it is and that's the next thing I see this is not going to be a three to four minute question that is answered (laughs) much longer than that but there is a a range of how big we elaborate on how much our pleasure is but no matter what whether I'm silent and my face does not hold a smile or I'm smiling and I'm kind of pepping and moving my body around the level of pleasure can still be equal one merely amplifies it and extends it out into the world. So when I make sounds and I have a pep in my step, it's extending and it's giving that enjoyment and that pleasure to others. Um, 
so there was two examples. One was, yeah, I was walking down the street and I was singing and this man looked so like he just lit up. He saw me smiling and he asked me a question. I had my earbuds in, but I think it was like you go into the gym. Uh, where are you going, girl? You know, like smiling, like you, he's definitely hitting on me. I, I personally, I didn't feel threatened and I didn't feel like anything was being taken from me and I didn't feel like an object that is deeply in our nervous systems for a lot of women, depending on your story. I have not gone through the severity of abuse as a lot of people have. So my journey to get to open pleasure and revealing my pleasure is probably, there's probably a smaller um, barrier, I guess you could say. I had to travel so far to get here, but probably not as far as other people who have gone through more trauma. Okay, so I want to acknowledge that too. If you've gone through a lot of abuse, you are still going to be able to get to this place of revealing your pleasure and joy and having ownership of it and knowing that your body is safe and your nervous system feeling safe. It just may take smaller steps and that's okay. And it may take um, revealing it in different measurements. <coughs> Excuse me. Revealing it in different measurements. All of our journeys are important. And allowing that to unfold as it do, as it does. So um, for me, like I just kept walking and I smiled and I said, "Yep, going to the gym." And I just kept Earth Angel, Earth Angel. Like I don't care. Like it just like I felt I'm in the middle of this construction zone. Yes, people see me, but I am not turning off my pleasure because of what they're getting from it. I have no idea what they are getting from it or what they aren't getting from it. It's not my responsibility. It's not my job. It's not of my interest. They're going to go on in their day, and I'm going to go on mine. Like, ta-da, that's, for me, that's where that, I never thought about it again until right now. Um, there's another example, like, and this is on the flip side of um, me extending my pleasure and joy and seeing how it actually lights up, lights up other people in a way that didn't feel like harassment or hitting on me. But I went into a wine store to grab a bottle of wine for my friend's uh, birthday, and there was this, like, giant size bottle of rosé like a bottle of rosé for a giant and I think this bottle was $300 and I was just in amaze I, amazement it was so cool it was like this beautiful big pink bottle and I was like oh, wow look at so so beautiful look at this big bottle and keep in mind there's only two men in there and they weren't like the most friendly men or weren't like that excited to be working at a at a spirit store on a Friday night, like, you could tell, but I, I didn't, like, feed off their energy, because I'm, like, very protective over mine, and I'm in a good mood, and I'm, like, feeling good, and I see this rosé, and even if it could have been awkward, it wasn't at all. In fact, when I got so excited about this rosé bottle, because it was so beautiful, they both smiled, and they were like, yeah, like, it is cool, isn't it? And that's the gift of the feminine. Oftentimes, we can light up a room that wasn't previously lit up, and nothing's being taken from us, Unless you're walking around with that idea of, oh no, if I show my pleasure, then they're going to take it from me and it'll no longer be mine. It's a very big mindset shift. I have my pleasure and it is mine and I share it, but it is still mine. It is always mine. It'll forever be mine. What they do with it, how they interpret it is the same as anything else in my life. If they see I'm wearing pink shoes, how they feel about my pink shoes is their theirs, not mine. I don't care, right? How they see me as a blonde woman versus a brunette woman, how people see me and stories that they may come up with, that's all based off of who they know in their life that's blonde. It's not my responsibility or job to change that or fix that. 
how they see a woman smiling in the middle of a park, feeling the sun on her face, how they interpret that is up to them. We cannot control that. Again, I want to go back to this point of decisiveness because I want to make it very clear that I, I have my own intuitive guidance on when I amplify my pleasure. So when I make the sounds or have the extra pep in my step, I have an intuitive guidance. We all do. You know when you feel safe to reveal your pleasure and amplify it with sound. You know, your body knows. It's really, it's really quite intuitive and powerful. And the closure around revealing will, will arrive to you and it'll say, no, I'm not safe. I'm, I'm really, truly not safe to reveal my pleasure here, but I'm still going to touch base with it. So you can still feel the sun on your skin and enjoy it and love it. You can still connect with the sensual embodiment of your nature. You can still notice how incredibly gorgeous the people around you are, the flowers around you are, the food that you're eating is. There's so many ways that we can experience pleasure in the subtleties of life without extending it and, and revealing it to others. So you can continue to ride the wave of pleasure in whatever way that feels fit if for you right now the park actually feels like danger and it doesn't feel safe and good and you lose more by doing that than you gain then don't start at the park uh, start somewhere else start um, maybe at the at a store at a boutique when you feel the the texture of the clothing and you go oh I love the way this feels right um, something that has really helped me though and I'm not coming at this saying this is what you should do or this is a better option, this is safer. I'm not saying any of that. But my earbuds are a godsend. I, w- I've, I sing out loud when I have my earbuds on. Uh, am I saying this right? No, that's the movie Airbud with a Golden Retriever. AirPod. <laughs> AirPods. Um, when I have my AirPods in, I, I sing, I smile more. For me, it's not like I'm hiding and, and I can't hear and, and so I like feel s- safer to do so because it's just that I don't have this self-referencing voice going off saying, you're not singing pretty enough, like your singing sucks, like, or listen to what's going on around you. Like I, It kind of helps me to tune out the rest of the world and really get in my own zone and connect with the music and connect with my body. Um, so that's really helped me. That could be a next step for you as you find a nice place at the park. You put down your blanket, you put on your AirPods, and you sing out loud, and you feel the sun on your face, and you're in more of your own space. It feels more protective in that way. Um, again, I don't know where you live. I don't know the measurement of harassment and hackling. So be careful. And always, you can feel the pleasure in your body. You don't always have to reveal. Okay? It's always there, though. The pulse of the pleasure can always exist within your body. You just don't have to ooh and awe ah about it. Amazing question. I would love to hear your, th- your feedback on that and what your thoughts are because um, it's really powerful. And I'm curious how, how other people feel. And if you are thinking of this question, what would a queen do? What does that reveal to you? I mean, if you go through the next time you go to the park and you ask how would a queen hold herself, let me know. How did that serve you? What did that do for you? What changed? What opened up? What, what had more boundaries around it? How did that, how did that help this queen question? Okay, so going into today's, the meat of today's podcast episode, I want to talk about moving on, changing, and growing because this may be 
one of the things I receive more often than anything else is, is it okay to, is it weird to, well, I can't XYZ, so I've got a XYZ, right? And the reason why I think this is so important is because many of us are looking for validation from society. Maybe not just society, though, but we're looking for validation, period. Okay, so we're looking for validation to know that what we're doing is normal. It's okay. It's not bad. Because since birth, we have been taught that good girls and good boys do these things. Good girls and good boys do not do these things. So we have this duality in our minds subconsciously with most of life. So we, we're a teacher right now, and we eventually want to be a musician. Is that okay? We had a friend who we no longer feel like that close to. Is that okay? We uh, are 25 years old and staying inside watching Netflix and going to bed at 10 p.m. on a Friday night. Is that weird? So we're constantly checking in with the world to see, is this okay? Is this wrong? Even though most of the times this doesn't truly serve us. It doesn't give us what we think it will give us. Sometimes it does. And sometimes getting validation can serve a very crucial point in your life. There have been things across, um, ex there have been things spanning across my lifetime that I received validation for. And my nervous system felt calmer because of it. You know, my teacher, my coach, my, my mother, my best friend, someone in my life said, heard everything I was experiencing, the shame, the thing I'm embarrassed about, the, the quote, bad thing I did, and they were still there, and they said, I love you, I see you, humans mess up, it's okay. You mean so well. You are good. And that kind of validation is so helpful and crucial, and you want to be incredibly selective on who you go to in order to receive that. So if it's a coach, or a family member, or a friend, make sure they have been they have proven themselves to be a trusted source in your life. Meaning, some things to look out for, when you speak to this person, they know how to hold space for you. So it doesn't look like you talk, then they switch the focus to them, they, they, they talk about themselves, and then you switch it back to you, and then they talk about themselves. That's okay for typical conversation if you're not looking for this kind of validation. If you are, though, you want to make sure you're speaking with someone who knows how to put themselves on pause, put the focus on you, and hold you in your experience, in your sharing of the shame, and in your sharing of your embarrassment, whatever it is that you want to let out, make sure you're doing it with someone who's not going to contribute to your shame, but is rather going to help heal it by listening and still being there for you. That in and of itself is incredibly healing for so many people, is to share something they're embarrassed about, they think is wrong, and to realize, oh, they didn't run off their friend. Oh, their friend is still there. Oh, it's normal. Oh, everyone has these thoughts. So you want to look for someone like that who has proven themselves to be trustworthy, to be able to hold space for you, a good friend. So going back to this, the, the overall, the umbrella of this podcast is what I'm, what I'm saying is that it's okay. It's okay. If you're looking for those words, it's okay. It's okay to change and to move on. It's okay to want a new job. It's okay to no longer want to be devoted to that friend that you've been so loyal to for all of your life. 
it's okay to want to start saying no to hosting those regular parties or going to those parties. It's okay to date again. If you've experienced a loss or you're afraid to have your heart broken, it's okay to take a break from dating, even if you're 35. It's okay to not have kids. It's okay to have 20. <laughs> it's okay to have five. It's okay to be gay when you're 40 years old, never really realized it or never admitted it. It's okay to be a lesbian at five years old. You know, whatever your preference is, you are an infinite spirit, an infinite spirit. This is why I love shadow work so much because shadow work is about claiming all the parts of you. It just so happens that shadow work is about the darker parts because those are the parts you repress most often, aka they're the parts that control your life the most. So shadow work mostly is centered around realizing, yes, you have anger. Yes, you have jealousy. Yes, you have bitterness. And it's all okay. It's all okay. It's all okay. But this kind of work, reclaiming all of you is just universe work, like realizing you are a spirit, having a human experience of humanity, of society, of love, of jealousy. This is so powerful because these questions we ask when we say, is it okay to, basically what you are asking is, hey, society, am I like you? Hey, society, how do I be more like you? Hey, society, am I doing this right? When you look for people to answer your question, is it okay to, is it okay to move on? Is it okay to change? Is it okay to not be in love with this person anymore? Is it okay to, you're asking society, how can I be more like you? Look at it that way for a hot moment. Do we want to be more like society? Do we want to fit in? And if your answer is yes, look at that. What does that give you? What does it give you to not be a black sheep, to be a white sheep? What does it give you to be like everyone else and to follow the rules? Does it serve you? If your answer is yes, have sovereignty in that and own that. It's okay then. Don't judge yourself for that. If, if you really feel safer and calmer and healthier and more uh, in tune with your body and life and the ripples of life by following a particular order, that is okay. That is welcome. On the other hand, if you're asking, is it okay? And you're asking that from a state of anxiety and stress and overwhelm and fear, fear of rejection, fear of failure, you're most likely not actually meant to be going with what everyone else is doing. Because there's a reason why you're asking for validation. You're afraid of playing big in the way you are feeling called to play big. You wouldn't be asking if it was a no-brainer. If you were going to have that same job forever, you wouldn't be looking around asking people if it is okay to change jobs. My definition of um, life, at least right now at this point in my life, I really think that life on earth is all about evolution, continuing to move forward. I think that's right now why so many people are having conscious relationships. We're all doing men's work and women's work and leadership courses and meditating and using crystals and tarot and spirituality and talking about death. Like as a whole, I haven't I haven't been around before the past 27 years I've here unless I lived another life and I don't remember it, but if I did then I was. But I think that when we look at the way our earth is 
evolving, we're becoming more conscious in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, we aren't. So there's the, the shadow side of social media and disconnect and more divorce rates, which divorce rates actually it could be great. I don't know. Like maybe more people are happy now. I have no idea what to say about that. And that's not what this podcast is about. But I do want to make it clear that I don't necessarily hear about the divorce rates divorce rates skyrocketing and immediately think problem because what about that piece of paper? You know, there's so many things that go into that. Was that piece of paper meant to be? What was that piece of paper supposed to do? Um, were you were all the marriages or many of the marriages before actually unhappy, but they stayed together because of this piece of paper? Blah, blah, blah. Whole other thing won't get into now. But what I'm saying is that our society our culture, our life here is about evolution. This happens on a macro scale and on a micro scale. So globally, we're starting to wake up to Mother Earth and her calling out for help. And we're trying to change ways how we uh, how we get rid of trash, recycling more, the plastic bag issues, the straw issues. We're trying to get more places to go green, our apartments being run by solar energy. You know, there's a lot of things that are beginning to be put into motion on a macro level, but then on a micro level, more people are meditating, more people are having conscious relating circles, lots of stuff like that. Then there's like the micro, micro, micro level, which is you, your day-to-day life, what you do in your bedroom, what you do in your work, what you do when you come home, how you eat, those things, how you think about yourself, how you feel about yourself. And it is, to me, a no-brainer now, not to say it's easy, but it's a no-brainer to me that you, as a human being, are going to be and meant to be different from your family. It's how it works. It's how it works. Every generation, I think if we're doing it right, is different than the generation before it. That's literally what evolution is. It's changing. It's evolving. And so if you have this calling and this inkling and this desire to go move away from your family where they live, look at that as a form of evolution. It's a form of expansion, of growing, of something new. Something new is being born. Something else may be dying. Your physical location by your family may be dying for now, but you going somewhere else is making space and room for so much more newness to evolve. Because when you move, I mean... You change who you are to a very large extent. How I am in Colorado is very different of how I am in New York. How I am in Kauai is different from how I am in Southeast Asia. And I've learned so much from the accumulation of all those different movings. But if I was afraid my family would not accept me or think I'm weird for going and traveling, I would probably still be back in Texas. And, you know, my family actually moved to Colorado after me. I moved first. Then my parents came and my sister came. They're all in Colorado now. We never have to go back to Texas except for my grandparents live there and a few other family members. But I'm the one who left. And then they came too. They have an entirely new life. They are now different people. They have changed and grown because I did that. So it's pretty cool. Not that I'm saying I did that in an ego way, like look at me, but because of that desire that God, the infinite, put within me to move, look at the bigger change that happened here. Now my family's there. They're enjoying nature more. They're more in touch with nature and beauty and love, and they're being expanded and growing. And my sister is in a loving relationship that could lead to a marriage. And like this is all happening because of the desire to break the norm, break what is, 
what was already known, do something new. And I think a lot of the older generations, they see a lot of value in devotion and in uh, devotion in with people and devotion with cities and devotions with communities, which I love. And I think we need to bring more of that back. I think we've kind of swung the pendulum to the complete opposite side of we are all digital nomads now. We all work in our homes now. Our businesses are on social media where we never have to interact with a single human being. We're in polyamorous relationships with a couple people. Like it's, it's the total opposite. Whereas you would marry the person you grew up with in your neighborhood and you would do the job that your family did or the one you went to a trade school for. Now it's complete opposite of every opportunity and uh, adventure you could ever want, every possibility, like in relationship, in your career, and the way you make money, and the way you eat. It's very opposite, very different. And I think there's a middle ground we want to have. There is something very much to devotion that um, that's a path I'm going down now is trying to find, especially living in New York where I have a million options for everything. How can I be deeply devoted to one practice instead of getting spirituality ADD where I'm like, oh, kundalini, oh, breath work here. Oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, a cacao ceremony. Oh, shock cleansing. Oh, Akashic records. Oh, psychic tarot reading. Like there's so much. And I think with all that diversity, we get a little bit caught up and we lose devotion to one particular practice and we lose the ability to go deep. Similar to in relationships, not that I'm making a stance on poly versus monogamous, my current belief is still that when you're focusing on multiple people, it is harder to go all into one soul. Um, I think that's just one of, like, I think it's kind of like physics, like when you are science, when you say yes to something, you say no to something else. So when you're saying yes to meeting two souls, you're saying no to meeting one soul very deeply, like literally your time is now being divided. So that's again for another podcast episode Um, because I'm not making a stance on that. I don't really have a stance particularly. Whatever works for people is what works for them until it doesn't, until it evolves. And that comes back to this. There is a time when things feel really good. And then there's a time when you start to notice that shut off, contract, constrict change. The problem happens is whether it's because of our family and being worried they think differently of us or because, wait, this is what I've always known. I've always known myself to be a yogi. Why am I into CrossFit now? Wait, since I was a kid, I wanted to be working in NASA. Why all of a sudden do I not want that anymore? What's happening? My parents wanted me to be a doctor or to go work on Wall Street. And now I want to do this job that seems absolutely made up and crazy to them. Teaching Akashic Records? Like, yeah, it's there's the part of the transition where the questioning comes into play is important. We do not want to bypass that. We don't want to rush that. We want to let that breathe. There's a lot that you can learn from that period of questioning and a little bit of confusion maybe a little bit of validation seeking to the right people, including yourself, right? You can ask, you can ask yourself for, you can ask and answer your own question. Is it okay to in meditation and with your coach who you trust or your therapist, right? Just to have a soundboard, but not to the world. That's my encouragement. It's not to the world because the world is not going to tell you, I think, that it's okay. That's what makes the society a society is having people unified. And any great leader that I know or great teacher has had to do things differently than what their parents did. Everyone that I watch and I follow and I look up to 
sometimes I'll think to myself, what would their parents think if they were here talking about their sex life, writing this kind of erotic poetry? Most likely, I, I would think their parents would love it. They don't want to know that about their kids. So why am I any different? Why am I any different? Why would I expect my parents to understand and believe and support every single thing that I understand, believe, and support? I shouldn't. It's not their job to support everything I do. I do believe it is their job to unconditionally love. That is what I believe parents are here to do as parents, is to unconditionally love, which is going to most likely be a challenging experience too, right? Is unconditionally love your child no matter how they show up. But that's not our job to make them love what we do as we evolve and grow because they're going to have their own experience. My parents have had their own experience of watching me leave the Christian faith. And it wasn't, it wasn't up to me to tell them, accept me for how I am. They do. And they do unconditionally love me. But I couldn't demand of them to actually praise that and say, good for you, Madeline. Like, I can't expect that because they're having their own triggering experience watching their child do something vastly different from what they wanted, what they do. And I respect that in them because I respect who they are and that they are devoted in something. I'm just devoted to other things. So it's on both of our parties. On one hand, you have to be so fiercely committed to you following your heart. And on the other hand, you have to let other people have their own experience. If you are trying to be fiercely committed and devoted to your heart and also control other people's experience of you and how they support you, you actually cannot be fiercely devoted to your heart. You can't. You can't be devoted to changing other people's thoughts about you and devoted to you. Pick one or the other. My invitation to you is to pick you and to let other people have their own experiences because they're going to learn something from that. From my parents watching me leave the Christian faith, I'm sure that they've learned how to open their minds more. They probably learned how to love unconditionally on a deeper level. And if I hadn't had changed, they wouldn't have had that experience. And another thing I'm thinking about is a lot of times women, before they come to my retreat, which blows my mind, but this is a really big concern to a lot of them, is what are people going to think, me going to a retreat like this, where we do all these spiritual things? How do I explain it to people? Well, one, you don't have to. What would a queen do? If a queen was going to a retreat, doing all these spiritual things, what would she do when it comes down to expressing and sharing this with people? Would she share it at all? Would she let other people's opinions have authority over her own? I mean, would she care? No, she's a queen. She has so much to do. She probably wouldn't share, or she would share, but only with those trusted sources. But she'd be so fiercely committed and devoted to her own needs, curiosities, that there's no room for anybody else's to take precedence. doesn't matter. They can have their own experience and believe what they believe, but it doesn't dictate her because she's got a queendom to run. It's like a really big job. So... There's a period, as I was saying, that there's the contracting, the, the, um, what once felt like an expansion starts to contract. And just take note of that. Take note. And you don't have to drop anything or quit it. I think typically when we start to change our desires about something or we start to no longer want to do the thing we've wanted to do for so long or say you love yoga, but all of a sudden you're staring at the clock when you go in, you dread going, 
you don't have to stop going immediately once you notice those signs if you don't want to. I think that if you keep showing up enough and you keep feeling that enough, in my own experience, there's always a point where you've had enough. It's just very natural. My body will say, okay, I really, really see now. This isn't for me anymore. I'm tired of staring at the clock. I'm tired of putting on my yoga outfit and going and getting in the car and doing this thing, even though I don't like doing it. I see it now. I see it very clearly. I'm not going to go anymore. I'm going to stop and I'm going to make room for nothing for a while. I'm not going to fill that space. I'm going to leave my calendar empty for a while, kind of just be in my body and, and then allow the universe and God to show me what's next. That's the, that's the ideal mindset towards it, I think. And your own experience may be a little bit different. There could be a couple bumps in the road as you get there, but that's typically where people end up. Same thing with relationship. You know, you might be in a partnership and things have been going really, really well, but things have changed. You have changed. They have changed. Then you have to decide the next step. Do we go to therapy? Do we go to counseling? Do we work on this? And if you do, you work on it, you work on it, you work on it, and things get better or they don't. If they do, you will stop worrying about it. You won't need to be going up to other people saying, is it okay if we're still together? Is it okay if I'm like this and he's like this? You won't need their validation because you're in love and you're happy. But take note, if you're working on the relationship and you know things are not improving and you start asking people, what do you think about this relationship? What should I do? What would you do? What's right? What's wrong? Allow this space to exist. This is an important space. Here's why. If you jump the gun and you make a decision about anything from relationship to career without doing that very necessary processing, you may, which is a terry, a terry, a scary thought to me, you may make the decision and then later wonder, did I make the right decision? I don't know. Because you didn't have that time period of showing up to that job day after day after day after day after day to really get that solidified concrete no. That's what repetition of the same thing does give us. You show up in that relationship enough and you fight for it and you work for it and you have enough disagreements, enough pain that that knowing that it's time to move on becomes really solid. And it's not because you just simply made the decision. No, I'm done. No more. I'm done. That's, that's That's not very solid, to be honest with you. That's a little bit um, that's more in the that's more in the mind. That's more about knowledge rather than wisdom. When you keep showing up and you allow that very uncomfortable space of not knowing to exist, where you ask yourself, "Is it okay?" or maybe you ask your coach, or you go to couples counseling, you talk to your partner about these things. There comes a time where it's a deep, physical, in your body knowing you're done, or you're in love and you keep going. And this is about everything. This is about the way you eat, the way you work out, your hobbies, your career, your mindsets. For me, I had enough days where I was in that space of gray of not really liking myself, where I really, like doing these bodybuilding competitions back in the day. I did bodybuilding show after bodybuilding show. For anyone new to this podcast, go back to the first 100 episodes and I talk about it quite a bit. But I did, I had seven years of disordered eating and eating disorders and exercise addiction. And I, seven years is not that, not like I'm saying it needs to take seven years, but for me, it took a very long time. Towards the end of it though, I kept showing up to the diet plan, the exercise, and my body just had this, every day it felt like it got chipped away a little bit until 
physically, like physically, literally, my body was getting chipped away at, but also emotionally. And doing that day after day caused a deep heartache and pain to where my body physically told me no more. There were plenty of times in my brain I said no more. It wasn't real though. It needed time for my body to physically feel and have a reaction to the pain and say no more. So that, and I know this podcast is like super expansive and all over the place, but what we're keeping in mind here is that one, you don't need to ask the world and society, is, a, is it okay? It's absolutely okay. Any duality of like yes and no, black and white, right and wrong, that has been created and constructed by society. So when you ask, is it okay? You are trying to be more like society to fit in. Just acknowledge that, judgment-free. It's okay. Number two, if you do ask, is it okay to someone, including yourself, make sure they are a trusted source you look up to them. You want to be like them. Don't ask your family members if you don't want to be like them and their relationship questions about your relationship. Don't do that. Don't ask the people, if you don't s like the way they do partnership, don't ask those people about partnership. If you don't like the way someone holds on to their friendships, don't ask that person about letting go of a friendship and what you should do. Ask the people who seem to be in integrity and authenticity and vulnerability and, and light workers and also shadow workers, like all of it. Know that three, you are here to evolve. You, that's your job. If you have one job on earth, I think it's to evolve, to move our society on a macro level and a micro level forward, which means macroly, you're gonna do things differently than the whole society, but then on a micro, you're gonna do things differently even from yourself two years ago, two weeks ago, yesterday, from your parents. You're gonna do things differently from the way you were a year ago whenever you were in that one job and had those few friends and letting yourself evolve to where you shed those friends, you shed that job, you change your belief system. On a micro level, you are going to change. You're meant to change. There may, there may come with some pain. Like I said, number four would be the period moving from expansion to contraction is important. And it's important to sit in it and to be with it and to not make immediate changes until your body says, I'm done. I'm done. That will happen. Believe in yourself, my love. You are strong. Your body is very, very, very intuitive and very smart. It will happen, but not through only logic, not through only the mind. It needs to happen on a, a visceral, physical, emotional, spiritual level. All right. So a lot of this has to do with feminine energy, right? Because the feminine is in the body. The feminine is energy. It is expansion. It is chaos. It is up and ups and downs and feeling your body and being in your body as your own greatest mentor, all of these luscious things. I've been talking about the Feminine Spirit School for a while now, and I want to tell you an update on the way the early bird is working. So what I was saying previously, that the early bird for the Feminine Spirit School would be for the first 20 women. Now I'm just picking an exact date that the early bird shuts off, no matter how many people join with that. So that is going to be May 24th. First, yes, May 21st um, at 1159 p.m. EST. So it'll change then, 1159 p.m. EST, May 21st, 
early bird will be cut off. The course will still be open to register until May 26th, 2019. So you'll still have a few more days to join if you'd like. It'll just be up $250. I have a payment plan. Whoop, whoop. It's really awesome. Normally I don't do payment plans, but I wanted to make sure that everyone who wants to join this course and be with like-minded soul sisters, diving into your shadow work, your masculine self, your feminine pleasure, both inwardly just creating pleasure from the sun on your skin, right? Um, to intimately, to touching your body and learning how to be gentle with your body, to seeing your body as a sensual, sexual creature. We go into the inner child work. We have guest meditation teachers. We have this beautiful masculine, sacred masculine practice by my teacher, John Wineland. Uh, Ashe Sandara teaches a breast massage um, class, which is really wonderful. And she speaks on self-intimacy and the importance of it. Lily Love does a meditation on healing ancestral wounds. Gemma Daniel does a inner child meditation, one that brings tears to my eyes. This is an eight-week-long intense course. When I say intense, what I mean is deep, not fast. So I've made it in such a way that only one module releases for the eight weeks and there is one week of a break in the middle. So I wanted people to be able to do this if they were in school, if they're moms, if they're in other courses, if they have busy lives. I've set it up in a way that the way you take the course is feminine in and of itself. Relaxed, pressure-free, intuitive, easy, nourishing. Because as you're gonna hear a lot, I talk about this so much, the way you do the feminine is even more important than what you learn about the feminine. The way you learn about the feminine is more important than what you learn. So are you learning in a stress state with your body uptight, your shoulders hunched over, and your heart closed, and fast and rigid, and on time and black and white? Or are you taking the course easy, slow, nourishing, calm? Let's go for the latter. So I'm doing my part to make sure that you're in that state by only doing one module per week, by also creating sisterhood. I'm really excited that I have both a Facebook group for you, but I've also created a WhatsApp group. So we always have WhatsApp groups for my retreats. It's how women become friends early on. I mean, I have a retreat coming up this month, and I created the WhatsApp group for them a little earlier than normal. It was about a month and a half out that I created the group, and they all got to know each other there. And two of them already met up twice. They're already hanging out. And the retreat hasn't even happened, which is so cool to me. But the communication has been going on every single day since I made that WhatsApp group between all 10 women. So there's going to be a WhatsApp group for this program too, and you can always be in it. You never have to leave. So if you join now, you're going to have forever access to the Facebook group, the WhatsApp group, the community, the modules, everything. It's okay if you get behind. That's fine. We talk about that. I talk about that in the course of like what to do if you get behind and how it's okay. And can you even be feminine about that? Can you be sovereign and take ownership about being behind rather than being stressed and a victim to it? Like you're empowered. If you're behind, it's because you're a queen. You You decided to be behind. It's fine. You're a queen. Queens don't get worried about those kinds of things, right? They say, yeah, I'm kind of behind, but it's okay. I've got a queendom to run. And I will do this in a way that feels good to me. 
That is my goal, for there to be ease and pleasure in the entire experience. So if you want to check out more, go to maddiemoon.com forward slash feminine dash spirit. And you can read everything we cover. You can see more about the guest meditations and teachers. It actually gives you the title of all the different lectures. And then in the whole eight weeks, I have them all there. So you can see the names of them. Um, oh, it's a really incredible, juicy experience. And I've been talking about it for the past couple episodes. So go back and listen to the, the past few episodes if you want to hear even more about it. Stay tuned because I have a feeling I'm going to be doing a webinar Um in that week that the early bird closes. I will announce that most likely here on the podcast, but chances are my Instagram is going to be the number one place to get notified just because I am all over Instagram all the time or my newsletter, which you can sign up for at maddiemoon.com. But just keep your eye out, like take note because the webinar will be really juicy and and helpful to understand more about this course. But also I'm going to give you really insightful things if I do it about the feminine um, the feminine energies. Last thing I will mention that in the feminine spirit school, I do two live Facebook calls where I'll answer your questions. And that's a really big, um, attractive point to a lot of people is that you will get that time for me to be able to ask your questions. And if you don't have Facebook, it's okay. The course is not on Facebook. It's on a website. You can log in and watch the modules there. Only those Facebook live videos are. And even if you don't have Facebook, you can still get access to it. Um, We'll just make sure that if you have a question, you can send it in to me. I'll see if I can cover it in one or two of the Facebook lives. And yeah, that's about it for now. All right. I hope you loved this. Please let us know your thoughts. Go on over to Instagram and comment on the photo for this particular episode. And let us know your questions, your comments. How did this serve you? Or go to maddiemoon.com and make uh, a comment on the show notes for this. Don't forget I have a website, y'all. So many people never visit it. I got blog posts up there. I got all these podcasts. Go visit it. Send your favorite episode to a friend, y'all. We need we need people to become mind-body musingers because we're doing good stuff on this show with all these amazing guests. And the more people that know it, the better. On a macro level, we can help people learn how to know that it's okay. It's okay to change, to grow, to evolve because that's what our world needs more of. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.